Coming to you live from the Morningstar Mission Sponsored Studios, this is Carl and Crew Mornings on 90.1 FM Moody Radio. Well, hands in the air if you almost went down this morning. Oh yeah, mine's up. Mine's up. Yeah, that would be three for three. Yeah. Yeah. Icy, definitely no joke. Yeah. Oh no. Did the penguin. Oh. (laughs) I cannot remember in recent memory. Yeah. Seeing so much ice. Oh, no. Just pure ice, particularly side streets. I live in the city, yes. so yep. side streets, terrible. Oh, yeah. I Absolutely. took, uh, so my day started by me taking the garbage out from my garage, you know, to the to the front of the driveway, and the driveway is angled. And so I took those garage, the, the garbage cans out, oh, no. and I basically just slid on down oh, by myself oh. to, to get down to the end of the driveway. And then pulling out of the driveway, my, my steering wheel's turning so fast yeah. because there was nothing to grip onto on any of those side streets. <laughs> Definitely. I was like, ah! Crazy. So this is, this is serious business. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. I, I, I be very, very careful. No Take joke. those warnings uh, very seriously. Uh, good morning to you. Good to have you with us this morning. If you've been listening, been wondering, where's Carl? That's the big question. He's been traveling in India with a ministry called India Partners this week. We are expecting to, expected to have him back tomorrow, yeah. uh, assuming all travel goes without yeah. delay, yes. obviously, yeah. with yeah. weather like this. It could be. You could see delays. Mm-hmm. So we uh, maybe we'll maybe hear from him by phone today. I'm yeah. not sure. We're not yeah. sure what he's doing. We're not so we'll sure. have to see. No. But he's doing just great. No worries there. Uh, just taken a, a, a trip. It's been an important trip. I know he's seen a lot of things that were very heartbreaking. That this ministry is actively working to combat against. He's going to have lots to share with you. Uh, hopefully uh, tomorrow as he rejoins us. Uh, coming up this morning though, we have uh, a very familiar voice. If you listen to Moody Radio in the mornings after Carlin Crew goes off the air, you hear Pastor Colin Smith, yes. who's going to spend some time with us this morning. Start your day with a boom. You're listening to Carlin Crew Mornings. You're listening to Carlin Crew Mornings here on Moody Radio as we kick off the new year here in January. We wanted to bring in some friends of Carlin Crew Mornings to share their heart. What's on their heart as they enter into a brand new year? Uh, we've got Colin Smith joining us this morning, and we're going to be talking about some of the pillars of of our faith in Christ. Would you is that what you would call these three? Faith, hope, love. Would you call them pillars, or is there a better word? Oh, well, yeah, for sure that would be a good word. And they're at the very heart of the life that Christ calls us to. So um, they are uh, central to the whole of Christian experience. And I think they're the most marvelous gifts that God gives to us on the one hand and the most marvelous things that we have to offer the world on the other hand. I mean, where else are people to find faith and hope and love? Well, they're going to find them among Christian believers, and that's why they're so central to our calling. Yeah. Why were these three so much on your heart as we head into a new year, faith, hope, and love? Well, I I guess because um, uh, in 1 Corinthians 13, uh, we're told that these are the things that really matter because they're the things that really remain. Mm. I'm very struck by the fact that in the environment in which we're living uh, these days, Ali, the Christian distinctive of real love, where there is so much anger, so much hostility, of real faith, 
where there's so much discouragement, so much darkness and so much despair, real hope. These are the things that will mark Christians out as different and they shine like bright lights in a dark world. So uh, to pursue these three things is so much on on my heart as priorities for the new year. Uh, I I want to grow in all of them and want to encourage others to grow in all of them too. So we're going to start with faith. If you were to just throw that word out in, in conversation, it would mean a lot of different things to different people. If you would, if you said, oh, you know, my faith is very important to me. You might, you, someone might say it that way. What is our faith in Christ? How does it differ from faith in anything else? Let's start there. I mean, I think you've said it yourself, uh, Ali, the fact that it is in Christ is the thing that makes um, Christian faith so distinct. It's the uniqueness of Christ that makes uh, our faith unique. There are two sides to faith, of course. There's believing and there's trusting. And uh, James points out that um, faith is is more than uh, simply believing because even the demons do that. Yes. And uh, I I found it helpful just to put these two things, um, believing and trusting, alongside distinction that the Bible makes between the things God has revealed and the things that God has kept secret. And it seems to me that faith is believing God in what he has revealed and it's trusting God in what he's kept secret. You know, why is this happening in my life? Well, God's not revealed that. uh, So I have to trust him in that. And the reason I trust him in what he's not revealed is because I believe him in what he has revealed, Mm -hmm. which is that he's with me always, that he has a marvelous plan for my life that uh, Christ is my redeemer, that he is faithful and he is true and his steadfast love will never leave me or forsake me. Mm. As we look at this passage of scripture in 1 Peter, I was actually just reading this uh, very recently, the genuineness of your faith. I think most of us have wrestled with at some point in time is how do I know that this faith that I hold dear, my faith in Christ, that it's that it's the real deal, that it's that it's genuine, that when put to the test, that it will stand. And that's addressed here in this passage. Yeah, that's right. Peter says in in chapter 1 and verse 6, you have been grieved by various trials so that, so telling us why various trials come. God has a purpose in trials, in every trial. And he says that these trials have come so that the tested genuineness of your faith may be proved. It, It seems to me that's a a very wonderful fruit that comes from the hardest things of our lives, that faith is proved genuine by the simple fact that it continues, it perseveres. If faith was nothing more than a decision that a person had made, then when following Jesus became really tough, they would undecide, Mm -hmm. they would turn away and they would go back, as many people in the Gospels did. But Peter's point here is that true faith perseveres even when it faces trials. And that, therefore, is the proof that it really is the real deal, that this is actually the life of God in your soul, the presence of the Holy Spirit within you. How do you know? You know because when trials come, you persevere. So for the person going through a trial right now, is how they're enduring whatever it is that's tough, maybe coming out of 2023 into 24, whatever trial they're going through, is it then accurate to say this is my faith being tested? 
Yes, there's no question about that. And that the proof that it is genuine is that faith perseveres, that though you face great difficulty, though there are things you do not understand, yet you trust in the Lord and you love him still. That is the proof of genuine faith. And then Peter goes on to say, that's going to bounce back. It's going to rebound in praise and in glory and in honor when the Lord Jesus Christ is revealed. And uh, I love the fact that he uses the word revealed there, talking, of course, about the second coming of Christ, but the word he uses is revealed. And the point, of course, is that uh, the second coming of Jesus is not going to be the arrival of someone who's been absent. It's going to be the unveiling of the one who invisibly and spiritually has been present with us every moment of every day. The Lord Jesus Christ is with you in this trial and your faith will persevere. That's the evidence that it is genuine. And one day that faith is going to be turned to sight. That's what he's saying. It's the most wonderful encouragement for anyone who is facing a real trial and is finding it difficult to persevere that this is what lies ahead. And this is the proof that faith is genuine. Pastor Colin Smith, our guest this morning, senior pastor of the Orchard Evangelical Free Church, also host of Open the Bible, which you hear right after our show, right after Carlin Crew ends at nine o'clock right here on Moody Radio. Uh, coming up, let's talk about hope. Have you ever had to kind of remind yourself to hope in God? Maybe your hope has been waning as of late. We'll tackle that one coming up with Pastor Colin Smith. Discipleship to start your day. You're listening to Carlin Crew Mornings. We're talking faith, hope, and love. The big three here on Carlin Crew Mornings. Hope in God. Sometimes we have to remind our own soul to do that. Pastor Colin Smith with us this morning. Uh, give us a word on Psalm 42. Oh, this is one of my favorites because it's David dealing with the reality of enormous pressures. I mean, he's um, clearly spiritually dry. He's longing for streams of water. He talks about being tearful. He talks about being downcast, disturbed, mourning, feeling forgotten, oppressed. I mean, anyone who's feeling the weight of the world on their shoulders this morning, read Psalm 42, because it really does speak directly to that kind of heaviness of spirit. And the way that he addresses it is that he says to himself, now, hope in God. You've got to put your hope in God. And that's where he finds the way forward in this remarkable psalm. Yeah, Psalm 42 is what we're looking at right now. And this uh, particular phrase is repeated at least twice that I see in Psalm 42. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. That's verse five. And then repeated uh, again in verse 11. What would you say to the downcast soul today who's struggling to hope in God? What is the path from discouragement to hope? Well, you know, isn't it significant that as well as talking to God, and that's clearly the first thing, he lays out everything that he's feeling and everything that he's experiencing. He just spreads it all before God. And that, that's a wonderful thing to do. There is actually great release and great help in simply telling God how it is. And that's what he does in the psalm. But he doesn't just speak to God. He speaks to himself. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Now, at that point, he's not speaking to God. He's talking to his own soul. He's kind of taking himself in hand 
And if I can put it this way, he's given himself a good talking to. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, there are times in life where we really need to do that. I've been greatly helped by something that Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, that most of our unhappiness in life comes because we listen to ourselves rather than talk to ourselves. Wow. In other words, you know, you get up in the morning, you've got all these negative thoughts that are coming, and you just listen to them, and they drag you down. And uh, what the psalmist's doing here is he's saying, no, I'm not just going to listen to all this stuff. I'm going to address it. I'm going to speak to my soul, and I'm going to tell truth to my soul, and I'm going to direct my soul to where there is hope, and that is in God. And I like the statement, for I shall again praise him. So often, whatever circumstances we are dealing with today or this week or this month or this year, it can be hard to see past it. And this reminder that I'll praise him again, like how it is right now is not how it's always going to be. Yes. And, uh, you know, um, that makes me think of uh, where Isaiah says, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. There's an anticipation here. He's saying, you know, My feelings right now are not in line with what I know to be true about God, but I will get there and uh, he will help me and and he will deliver me. And, you know, what you were saying is fascinating to me, Ali, that he says this more than once. Mm -hmm. It's not just that he once says, put your hope in God. He has to come back to it again. And actually going forward into Psalm 43, he comes back to it a third time. So it's almost like he's going around in circles. And and sometimes it can feel like that. You know, am I making any progress? I found a little picture helpful on this. You know, if you were, if you imagine a mountain with a kind of corkscrew road that's going round and round and gradually getting to the top, and you're in the van with the kids and you're going on this road and you're just going round and round, the kids in the back are going to say, we've been here before, we've just gone round in circles. <laughs> and in one sense, that's true. But this road that is taking you around in circles is also taking you higher, and it will eventually lead to the top of the mountain. And there is progress within this psalm, even although the psalmist finds himself back in the same battles many times. And I think that's true of Christian experience. Mm. Pastor Colin Smith with us this morning, pastor of the Orchard Evangelical Free Church, also host of Open the Bible. He quoted from 1 Corinthians 13. You may have seen this or heard this at a wedding. So now faith, hope, and love abide or remain. These three, but the greatest of these is love. So much more than just a quote for the wedding program. Why is love the greatest of these three, according to 1 Corinthians 13, 13? Well, you know, another word, just as we're talking about these, Ali, would be gifts. Yes, thank you. all in a thank you. sense, gifts from God, aren't they? Uh, love comes from God. Ephesians says that faith is the gift uh, of God. And clearly, we, as we were just saying, uh, hope is a gift from God. And that's perhaps a very significant truth for us, that there are things to receive and that they do come from the hand of God himself. And love is the greatest, as you're saying from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I, I I love the way in which Paul lays out here the character of love, that it is patient and it is kind and it doesn't envy and it's not irritable and it doesn't insist on its own way. And the aha moment for me uh, on this, uh, Ali, not, not so long ago, was I was thinking, you know, the problem here is if, if I think of this as being like ingredients of a cake, 
you know, my wife's just made us um, a Christmas cake. She makes this marvellous Christmas cake every year, and she's got all these ingredients, you know, the currants, and she's got raisins and molasses and all kinds of cherries and all kinds of things going to this cake. If we think of, you know, love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, as a list of ingredients, then what we end up saying is, well, I don't have the ingredients. I'm not very patient. I'm not very kind. Yeah. Too often I do insist on my own way. And so if I don't have the ingredients, I can't bake the cake. And that, that leaves us stuck. And that's the wrong picture. We're not talking here about ingredients of a cake. Change the picture. Think about fruit growing on a tree. That's what he's saying. Love is kind. Love is patient. It doesn't insist on its own way. And so what he's telling us is that as we grow in love, which is God's great gift to us, all of these beautiful fruits are increasingly going to be formed in our lives. This is what love is and this is what love does. That suddenly brings up, it takes it from being a sense of how am I going to get the ingredients to, oh, I want to see the fruit And that's a whole different and a wonderfully more encouraging picture. Mm. We cannot love without receiving the love of God. Love is not something that we can, we often reduce it to kind of a a happy or warm feelings toward other people. But the reality is we don't always have those happy, warm feelings toward other people, but yet we are called to love God and to love people. How do we start with that baseline of, of right understanding of the love of God? Well, you know, I think, you know, in First John and chapter 4 and, and verse 19, you have these wonderful words that love comes from God. We love him because he first loved us. In fact, John just says we love because he first loved us. And what he's pointing us to is this wonderful reality that God has not just given us a description of love or even an example of love. We have that in Jesus, but we have so much more that God's love actually comes to us in Christ and through the Holy Spirit, that God's love actually comes to dwell in us when we have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, because he gives us his own spirit, who is the very spirit of love. So there's like a, a fountain within of love that is dwells in a Christian believer and therefore makes a different kind of life and different kinds of responses possible for Christian believers. And that's what opens up the most marvelous hope. I can grow in love because God has loved me in Christ and his spirit dwells in me as a Christian believer. And therefore, I can pursue this distinct calling uh, that's going to make Christian believers very different from what we see in the world around us. Mm. Pastor Colin Smith, a great, great word this morning. A great reminders, faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. Uh, thank you for spending some of your morning with us. Really appreciate it. You can check out openthebible.org, openthebible.org. And of course, uh, you can hear the program 9 a.m. weekdays right here on 90.1 FM Moody Radio. It's like coffee, but for your ears. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. Well, yes, I'm going to go there. And I I share this cautiously because, again, I know that there's lots of assumptions that can be made around this topic of pageants. I like to call them scholarship pageants. 
because that was my motivation mm. for doing it. Mm -hmm. There was scholarship money attached to it. Makes sense. And it was, a for me, a good way to make some extra money to pay for the rest of my schooling. Most of the world calls them beauty pageants. Yeah. I prefer scholarship pageants because it feels a little bit more um, depth there. Yeah. I get that. Yeah, I understand that. But yeah. I get why, at the end of the day, most people call it a beauty pageant. You're up on a stage. You have your makeup done. You have special outfits that you wear. You walk across a stage um, in an evening gown. You might answer a question or two. And there is a panel of judges sitting at a table. And they're looking at you and they're smiling. And they're just kind of, you know, assessing how they would rate you. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. really, ah, it's cringy to talk about. But it was a thing. Mm. And here's why it was a, a positive for me. And I would not give my wholehearted recommendation and say, yes, sign your daughter up for a pageant so that she can win scholarship money. I don't know that I would recommend it. But for me, as somebody who was a uh, pretty pretty shy and sure. believe it or not i was pretty shy pretty timid the interview portion and the question answering and developing a personal platform which was a, a cause that you were devoted to for me it was youth mm -hmm. mentorship um one of the things that i got involved with because of pageants was the big brothers big sisters program mm. oh okay That's and great. i became yeah. a mentor to an an 8 year old girl who is now 27 or 28 oh, wow. and still my little sister. Yeah. And so Neat. there were some really incredible things for me that came out of pageants. I developed a, a stronger sense of confidence and I learned to do interviews and to present thoughts and ideas and doing things like radio. I, I think in a way <laughs> pageants were part of the preparation process way back in the day. Yeah, but here's okay. but here's the yeah. thing though. I want to take you to the scripture that we're going to focus on today. I don't know that the rest of the people sitting there watching the pageant or the judges who were giving scores were thinking, "How great that she's um, involved in mentorship because of this, and yeah. she's developing a greater sense of confidence, and she's finding her voice to be able to speak about things that she cares about." Yeah. I don't think most people got all of that. Yeah. They saw a 35 girls up on a mm. stage mm. smiling and hoping with every little part of their being that the judges picked them. Yeah. And there's a part of that that's kind of, no, not kind of, pretty unhealthy. Yeah. First Samuel 16, 7. I'll give you the setup coming up, but I wanted to give you the verse right away. For the Lord sees not as a man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Some of that pageant conditioning, that temptation to assess people, maybe to even assess ourselves based on how well we can pull ourselves together, get up on that stage of life and convince the world that we're worthy of being chosen. You may not have competed in pageants. But my guess is some of that same way of looking at the world has probably crept in your heart, too. Let's talk about it coming up. 
your spiritual pit stop to keep you going in the race. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. So Saul had been rejected as king. The Lord gives Samuel the assignment to go and select the next in line to be king over Israel. And of course, it wasn't going to be Samuel deciding. Right. The Lord was going to lead him to the person. But he allows him to go out. He heads to Bethlehem with a, and ends up with a man named Jesse, who had eight sons. And so the first guy he sees, the first son, El- El- Eliab? Eliab? Eliab. Uh, we could take your pick on the pronunciation. Yeah. But he immediately assumes this is the guy. I know it is. This is our guy. Boy, does he ever look the part. Based on his height, his appearance, Samuel assumed, yep, that's probably him. But first Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as, a, as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Now, long story short, Ultimately, he goes through all of the sons, and none of them are the guy. And he asks Jesse, are you sure this is all your sons? And it's like, oh, oh, yeah, there's, there is that other one. <laughs> the other one, yeah. I know. It's, it's a very – can you imagine? If your parent – are these all your kids? Well, yeah. Well, there is one who's up in his bedroom. I mean, I guess Oops. we forgot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, there is that – you know, there's David. But, uh, well, look, bring him in. Let me, let me get a look at him. And it ends up being David. Hmm. He's young and a little shepherd boy. Not the not the one that necessarily had the height or looked the part, although it does comment that he's ruddy and handsome. Yes. Sure. Which is interesting. Yeah, sure. That detail is interesting to me because the first guy was kind of rejected, like, no, 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 don't look at his appearance. But they do mm-hmm. there is a mention made of they David, being, yeah. David yeah. being handsome. Absolutely. But there were obviously some qualities about him that made him not to be considered. I mean, exactly. he, had, he had to have been strong because he was a shepherd. It talks about how he fights off wild animals for his sheep. Yep. But he wasn't even brought because it was like, well, you're certainly not it. So you stay out here and all the other brothers will Thinking come in here. boyish face, yes. big grin, yeah. you know. So it ends up being <laughs> David is the guy. He's the guy that is next in line to be king over Israel. And obviously, you, David's story is is epic in so many ways. He's a man after God's own heart. Despite uh, major moral failings, he is faithful to God. He is contrite. He is repentant. You read through the Psalms, you, you see the heart of David come through in many ways. But I really want to focus on this principle, this upside-down kingdom principle that the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Now, I think the most obvious application to this is kind of the old adage that don't you can't judge a book by its cover. Yeah, absolutely. And that certainly applies here. But I, I really want to focus this on the, per, the personal. I don't want to make this conversation about not judging a book by its cover. I think we get that that great things come in small packages. I think the world would even embrace that as truth, honestly. Yeah. I think that that's that's not that far off from what the world says, that, yeah, give people a shot. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe he seems like he's 
standoffish, but he might be a nice guy. The world's good with all this. But the real upside down principle, I think, is when we personalize it. Because I think when it comes to our own life, the temptation is still very, very strong to be primarily focused on outward appearance. Oh, yeah. On how we present to the world. Absolutely. On how we appear to be doing. Coming up, I want to tell you why, for me, this passage right here, and then some other ones that kind of parallel it, is honestly, if I had to make a case for Christ, this would be up there as what I feel like is one of the strongest arguments for the existence of Jesus. New to the show? Stick around for a while. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. Have you ever noticed that it's so much easier to fix up the outside of you than to deal with the inside? Yes, for sure. I mean, like you can put on decent looking clothes, you can brush your hair, and then beyond just the physical appearance stuff, people spend a lot of time posturing to make sure that what everybody sees looks okay. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, to fix the outside of you, you can do things in your own strength, in your own power. Yes. You know, if I if I want to l- look more muscular, I can go to a gym mm-hmm. and I can lift the weights. If I if I want to lose a little weight, maybe I, I change my diet. Now, it's not to say those things are easy. They're certainly not. Yeah. But... It's a little it's a little easier to get by on those things with self-power. Mm-hmm. Uh, but changing the heart, you can't do you on your own. Do it. And even beyond that physical appearance, we you know, you go you might go and volunteer because that looks really good on a resume. Have you ever met done something, particularly when you're kind of starting out in your career, you do things because of how they'll look on a resume? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You acquire yeah. certain skills mm-hmm. because yes. of how it will look to an employer. Yeah. Absolutely. It will make yeah. me more employable to be proficient in Excel spreadsheets. <laughs> exactly. Excel so spreadsheets. I learn new skills so that I look like I'm employable. Yeah. I live in a safe, certain neighborhood or I drive a certain car or I wear certain brands. I, I present my kids a certain way. Also that people's ultimate impression when they look of they look at me when they think of me will be nice lady seems like she's doing okay for herself family looks all right and we cling to the notion that if we can just look okay to other people we fight for that but yeah. here's the thing and i really think that this to me is one of the most compelling cases for the christian faith Now, you could talk about the historicity, you could talk about archaeological digs, you could talk about fulfillment of prophecy, and all of those things are vitally important. But where I land, for me, is the fact that I'm powerless to do anything about the condition of my own heart, that despite how much I can fix myself up for the world, my physical appearance and the aspects of my life that are visible to anyone who would drive by or take a look at my life, I can make that look nice. I can even get some compliments from people. Well, wow, your children are well-behaved. Mm-hmm. Well, that was a really nice thing to do. Have you ever had somebody give you a compliment on something and you knew that at that very moment, your heart was ugly? Yes. Your yeah. motives were off. Yep. And if they really could peel back the layers and only see knew. the inside, if they only knew. Yeah. 
And when you become a Christ follower, that tension is very uncomfortable. Oh, absolutely. It's horrible to sit through. In the world, it's kind of like, I got over on them. <laughs> got away they with think, it. They think I'm a really good guy. Yep. Great. Yep. They don't know about this alcohol addiction that I have. They don't know about this secret that I've been keeping from my spouse. Yep. They, but they don't need to know about that stuff because what they see looks good. You know, there's an example of this. It's it's very interesting. So there is a movie that uh, I watched with my wife in the theaters a couple months ago. And in the movie, it was a it was a prequel to another series. And it was about this guy. And it was the villain of the other movies, except I didn't know that. And I was watching this movie and it felt like his turn from going good to going bad was so uh, sudden. And I talked to my wife and I said, I don't like how it went from this to this without any explanation of how he got there. And she said, well, look at the book. And she showed me the book of this of this movie because it came from a book. Uh Um, Same character, same actions, except the book wrote out his thoughts in the midst of all of those actions. And you could tell he was never really good or doing good things for a righteous purpose. He was always doing it for self gain and nobody could see it because you were looking on the outside. But if, when you could peek into his thoughts, you could realize something's off here. It's, Hmm. and that's so true of all of our lives. I mean, at your very best, you can fool a lot of people. Absolutely. Not as well as we think, though. That's I mean, also true. Uh, our our lives start to seep and leak. Yeah. So yes. we're not nearly sometimes. Long term. We're a little bit more transparent than we'd First like to show. than yeah. we'd like to to <laughs> acknowledge. But right. at on our best day, we can fool a lot of people. That's true. But you got to live with you. You got to look yourself in the mirror. You got to go to bed at night with you. And that, to me is the most compelling case for the Christian faith that when I, where I land is that regardless of what other people can see, I'm powerless to change my own heart, the motives, the thoughts, the desires, the stuff that nobody else sees, the ugliness that's there. It's only the power of Christ that can clean me from the inside. So my appeal to you today would be let the Lord deal with your heart because nobody else can. And regardless of how much time and energy you've invested into creating a life that looks good, you have to deal with your heart. You have to let the Lord deal with your heart. Psalm 51.10 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. We get that song. Is there, there there's a, have you heard that song? Keith Green? Yes, I think so. Pull that song up. I want to play that here. I know we're a little bit past time, but I want to make time for that. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. What is flowing out of your heart? What does your heart look like today? I want to appeal to you, whether you are following Christ today and you can admit, man, my my heart's a little dark. Let the Lord deal with it. And if you have never followed Christ and you've been trying to make yourself look okay, I would encourage you today to cry out to your creator, to the God who made you, and ask him. Surrender to him today. Tell him that you are a sinner, that you've missed the marks in so many ways. You've not lived a perfect life, but that today you turn, you repent, and you go a new way. If that's you today... 
Have that honest conversation with God where you confess that you're a sinner in need of a Savior and that you believe today that it's Jesus, that he is the only way to make peace with God. And then when you can safely do so, text the word WELCOME to 312-274-9624. WELCOME to 312-274-9624. Coming to you live from the Morningstar Mission Sponsored Studios, this is Carl and Crew Mornings on 90.1 FM Moody Radio. Well, I want to give a big public thank you to uh, my colleague, Young Thunder. Why? Uh Uh, Young Thunder saved me, certainly saved me from injury this morning. Oh. (laughs) After he laughed at me, but that's okay. (laughs) I didn't laugh at you. Oh, Oh, boy. The ice had me a little bit slow getting in this morning. So I I called Young Thunder and I said, just a heads up, I'm going to be a little bit late getting in this morning. And he said, great. Thanks for letting me know. And then he said, oh, by the way. Mm Mm-hmm. Be careful coming out of the parking garage yes. because the sidewalk is very slippery. Oh, yeah. And I thought, oh, okay. When I took one foot outside of that parking garage <laughs> and I was like, whoa. Oh, yeah. This is, this it, is Michelle Kwan level ice. Oh, oh it no, is. the penguin now, shuffle. Now, explain to me. I'm, I'm probably going to get laughed at by Diana here. Oh. Explain to me who Michelle Kwan oh. is. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. What do we do with Young Thunder? Wow. Do you follow figure skating at all? Uh, it's, I'm, by the fact that I don't know who Michelle Kwan is, no. That's okay. Can you name, um, have you heard of Christy Yamaguchi? Uh, yes, I have heard of Christy okay, Yamaguchi. Oh. Uh, so you're familiar um, with the I'm sport surprised of figure skating? I am. Who's the one uh, The one who did the, the kind of mobster thing? Uh, the ice skater, what's her name? Tammy? <laughs> No. Tanya, Tanya, Tanya Harding. Harding. I know Tanya Harding. They oh, <laughs> know. Speaking of ice skating, I actually watched a fascinating documentary yesterday that was, uh, it looks at different sport scandals over the years. Oh, yeah. It didn't look at that one, but it looked at this big sports scandal in the world of figure skating at the 2002 Salt Lake oh, Olympics. Yeah. Okay. Do you remember this? Mm-hmm. Where there was a Canadian pairs team that pretty clearly outskated the Russian pairs team. Gotcha. And there was uh, later came out to that there had been a little funny business huh. in terms of the judging. And yes. it was it was a fascinating documentary. But I, I used to really enjoy following figure skating. Okay. So yeah. you you probably didn't follow this. No, I didn't. So this lady but fell. Yet you've heard of Tanya no. Harding. <laughs> well, that was that so was huge. Yeah, yeah I guess mm. I guess scandal in the world of figure skating. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was just glad that I stayed upright during my little uh, time on the ice this morning. If <laughs> I go down, we're done. Because <laughs> it felt like I was uh, definitely skating on ice this morning. So <laughs> do absolutely be careful as you venture out the roadways. But not just the roadways, those sidewalks. If the salt has not hit them, make sure that you take your time and grab onto something if you can. Hey, this is Carl with Carl and Crew, and I'm so grateful that you listened to this showcast. Thank you mostly for being part of the Boom Crew. As we help you take your next step with Jesus, you're a huge encouragement to us. We'll be here again live every weekday morning from 5 to 9 a.m. Godspeed.